Hi, I'm Kara. Welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast, where together we learn how to embrace imperfection and the messes that life leaves behind and overcome our shortcomings. Together, we will begin to not only see, but to feel who we truly are and who God created us to be. Let's talk. Are you feeling pulled in a million different directions? Are you feeling the pressures of everything in life just weighing you down? I want to personally invite you to Lifted Summit. Lifted Summit elevates you closer to Christ through exceptional speakers, other women of faith, and the peaceful whisperings of the Spirit. Join us on Saturday, April 30th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. in Sandy, Utah for a day filled with opportunities to rejuvenate your spirit, mind, and body. Get all the details and your early bird ticket from www.liftedsummit.com. Hello, welcome to this episode of the Today I Am Enough podcast. I am so excited that you are here with me. This week we are talking about Genesis 28 through 33, and we are going to be talking about Rachel and Leah. And if you don't know, this year we are discussing the women of the Old Testament as we go through the Come Follow Me curriculum that follows uh, along with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I decided I wanted to learn more about the women in the scriptures and their role and talk to you about that. And I think it's so important. There's so many things that we can learn about ourselves and about women and about the way that God loves women and in turn and the way that he loves us from these women of the Old Testament. So I'm excited. This story is a, I feel like it's a really well-known story. And it's, it's been kind of interesting to dive into it and think about what we can learn from these two women and how God shows his love to them. So let's, let's dive in a little bit. Um, so they have an interesting story and it's so intertwined that it's really hard to just talk about Rachel or just talk about Leah, because I think you'll end up talking about one or the other, no matter whose story you're trying to focus on. So overview of the story is that Jacob leaves his family and goes to Laban. His Rebecca's is his mom. So Rebecca's brother is Laban and Esau wants to kill Jacob. And so they send him away to go find a wife at Laban's house. So he goes and he's sitting at the very well that his father uh, found Rebecca at. Well, the servant of his father found Rebecca. And so Jacob asks about Laban's family, and they say that uh, his daughter will come, his youngest daughter will come soon to tend to the animals. So Jacob waits, and he sees Rachel, and in the scriptures it says that he kisses her, which is actually a tradition when you see a family member that um, there was kissing that happened. So it wasn't necessarily romantic, but it feels a little romantic because it seems like there was some love at first sight there, whatever that means. <laughs> so she runs and she goes and tells Laban and Laban comes and is so excited to see Jacob. And Jacob says, I want to marry Rachel and I don't have anything, but I'll work for you for seven years, which is incredible. Seven years is a very generous offer. And so Laban accepts that. And Jacob works for seven years and he goes and he, they get married, he thinks, and wakes up in the morning and he is with Leah, Rachel's older sister. And it seems silly that 
he wouldn't know that it was Rachel or confusing why he wouldn't. But I've been reading up on different different thoughts about this and she was most likely vague. So he wouldn't have recognized her from that, depending on how thick the veil was, I guess. And then it was dark. There's no electricity in this time and they're in a tent and she had been veiled and so anyways, we, we just don't know the entirety of the situation and why he may have not known. So he's pretty angry with Laban, as you can imagine. He goes and confronts him. And at this point, I wonder how Leah's feeling. She, and even Rachel. And how much the girls knew of this plan, right? Like, they know the tradition of this land, that the younger daughter does not get married before the older daughter. And so Laban does this little switcheroo going on and Jacob is like, what is happening? I just worked seven years for Rachel. And Laban says, I'm sorry, we have a tradition that the younger daughter does not get married before the older daughter. And so he, he says, I'll give you Rachel, but you need to be with Leah for a week and then you can have Rachel and then you can work seven more years basically for Leah, right? <laughs> Cause he's worked for Rachel and so in, let's see, we're going to read in verses 29 and 30 of Genesis 29. And it says, And Laban gave Rachel to his daughter, um, Bilhah, his handmaiden, to be her maid. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. So he got Rachel before the seven years was up or he got Leah before the seven years was up. And I just, I wonder how this felt for both of these girls to know that Rachel was in love with Jacob and Leah got to marry him first. And Leah knew that he loved Rachel and knew that she was deceiving him. And it just makes me wonder how they each felt and I imagine that that was really difficult for both of them for completely different reasons. So Jacob stays in the house for another seven years serving for Leah basically right. Rachel is barren which is interesting to me because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's wives were all barren for a long time. Sarah was obviously barren for the longest but Rebecca had a hard time getting pregnant and then so does Rachel. And meanwhile, Leah is, she has seven kids before Rachel ever gets to have a baby. And all, all of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's wives all do eventually have sons, but they all had to endure some great trials while they waited for those opportunities. So we're going to talk about Leah for just a minute and her sons. So she has Reuben. And she names him Reuben, and it means, look, a son. And in verse 32, she says, surely my husband will love me. So she is longing to find love with Jacob. She wants that connection with him. And I'm sure it's the connection she sees her sister having with him. And so then um, Simeon's born, and his name means hearing. And in verse 33, she says, the Lord heard and I was hated, and so he gave me another. And so the Lord heard me, but my husband hates me, but maybe, maybe another son will help. And then Levi is born, and it mean, his name means joined or pledged, 
And she says in verse 34, now maybe my husband will be joined with me because I gave him three sons. I find it really fascinating that these me, the names mean so much with how these women are feeling at the time. So then Judah comes and his name is praise, means praise. And in verse 35, she says, now I will praise the Lord. It almost feels like she's kind of come full circle where she sees God's love for her and it's okay that Jacob doesn't love her in the way that she hoped. And the cool thing about that is Judah's name is praise and that she's praised the Lord and that Judah's line is the line where Jesus Christ comes. And so she's kind of made, maybe she's made some peace with the situation. Uh, So in chapter 30 starts with us learning that Rachel envied Leah and she's so desperate to give Jacob a child that she gives Jacob her handmaiden and she gives birth to Dan and Dan means has been judged or vindicated. So she says in verse six of chapter 30 that God has judged me and heard my voice. So again, both of these women, and I think a lot of it at the time, names were really important and they meant a lot to these people. So Rachel's handmaiden then goes on to have another son with Jacob and his name is Naphtali and it means my wrestling. So there's a Hebrew footnote in verse eight and it says the wrestling of God have I wrestled with my sister. And she's talking about this, like there's a wrestle with God and there's a wrestle with her sister and maybe not vocally and outright, but maybe it's inwardly where God isn't giving her a son and her sister is having all of these sons and it's hard. And as much as she gave her handmaiden, it's still different than if she had had her own son, but she did get to name both of these boys. So then Leah decides to give her handmaiden to Jacob as well. And she also has two sons. So Leah names the first one Gad, which is good fortune. And it says in the verse that it means a troop cometh, which is kind of interesting to think about. And then the second son that's born is Asher, which means happy or blessed. So Leah lets us know in verse 13 that she is happy. And I, I love seeing the change in Leah and I think, I think there was a change, and I think she still longed to be with Jacob to some extent, but maybe she had accepted it um, as she learned between Levi and Judah. Then Reuben is in the fields, we learn, and he finds mandrakes. And this always makes me think of Harry Potter, you guys. <laughs> when I was reading it, I was like, what? So anyways, after some reading, I found out that mandrakes were thought to help with infertility. So in footnote 14, it says mandrakes, um, it says superstitions, which is kind of an interesting thought too. So Rachel is so desperate. She is so desperate to have a son, a baby. And so she tells Leah she, that Jacob will come lie with her tonight if she can have the mandrakes that Reuben fi- found. And Leah is like, yes, yes, have them. And Leah goes and gets Jacob and tells, tells him that she, he is going to be with her tonight. So as I was reading there, 
you know, he's got several wives now. Technically, the handmaidens are listed later in later chapters as his wives. So we learn here that Rachel is the main wife for in Jacob's house, which she wasn't the first one married to him, but she was the first one promised to him. And so she's the one that kind of decides things in the household. And so... So even though they married second, they were supposed to be married first. They were betrothed to each other first. So then Leah has two more sons. So the first one is is Isaac Isaacar, <laughs> and it means recompense. So Leah says in the scriptures that she believes she's given this son because she was willing to give her handmaiden to Jacob. And then Zebulon means exalted abode. And so she says, now my husband will dwell with me. And uh, it says in the footnote, exalt me because I give him six sons. So that's in verse 20. And then we learn after that that she has a daughter who is Dinah. And we're going to talk about Dinah a little bit in this uh, podcast as well. So in verse 22, it says, and God remembered Leah, and God, excuse me, and God remembered Rachel and God hearkened to her and opened her womb. So after Leah had had seven children, she had six sons, her handmaiden had two, Rachel's handmaiden had two. We have 10 of the 12 tribes born. Finally, God hearkened to her and opened her her womb. So her sister has six sons, And I'm sure that was really hard and really heartbreaking. And it probably was for Jacob as well. I don't know why it would have been different for Jacob because he loved Rachel. And I'm sure it was frustrating for him and frustrating for her and like so many of us experience. So she has a son and she names him Joseph. And it means to add, to take away, and to gather. And Rachel says, God hath taken away my reproach. So I love this thought, to add, to take away, and to gather, and especially in thinking of the Abrahamic covenant and the gathering of Israel and all that that means. It's, it's a beautiful comparison, and I think we see the expression of gratitude from Rachel by his name. So then Jacob talks with Leah and Rachel. There's some, some other interactions with Laban in there. And Jacob talks with Leah and Rachel because the Lord's commanded him to go back to his uh, place where he grew up. And everyone agrees that that would be fine. And so they actually leave in the middle of the night because Laban isn't okay with them leaving. They leave and on the way, they're almost to the city and they kind of split their group up because Jacob's not really sure how his brother is going to react because when he left, his brother wanted to kill him. And so he sends them, he sends all the animals and servants and wives and children and kind of as a gift. And anyways, it ends up beautifully and the brothers are reunited and they are so happy to be together. And it's, it's wonderful. I would encourage you to go read it. So we're not going to go into depth in that story, but we are going to skip ahead a little bit and it does go into next week's Come Follow Me reading. But because we're already talking about the children born to these women, we are just going to finish this, um, this, what happens with these people. So they go and Dinah 
has a story in here, and it's really tragic. And Dinah is going out to the land. It says in chapter 34, verse 1. And we don't know if she's alone. We don't know if she's with other people. We don't know exactly where she's going. It was probably some sort of market. And she has all these brothers. So you'd think that this was a fun occasion for her to be able to go and get out. And in verse 2, we learn that Shechem, I'm not sure how to say that name, so sorry. But he saw her. And it says, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. So as we're learning and reading about Dinah, there are some who have said that maybe she was dressed in a way that would indicate that she was willing to lay with a man. However, that doesn't give anyone the right to defile anyone else ever. And I imagine that was terrible for her. And as we think about the Lord protecting Uh, Sarah, you know, Abraham said that it was his sister and she was able to be protected. And the same thing happened with Rebecca, but Dinah wasn't protected from this situation. And it's, it's really, really tragic. And her brothers, two of her brothers try and remedy the situation, but it doesn't work and it backfires on them. And their family ends up needing to leave to flee. So they end up leaving And during this time, Rachel is pregnant again. So in chapter 35, verses 16 through 20, that's the rest of Rachel's story. And we learn that she goes into hard labor while traveling. She has a midwife with her who is reassuring her that things will be okay. But then in verse 18, we read that Rachel dies in childbirth. Before dying, she names her son Ben-Oni which means son of my sorrow and distress. However, in that same verse, Jacob renames him, probably because he couldn't bear having a son with such a sad name that we would remind him of such a terrible loss for him. So Jacob renames him Benjamin, which is son at the right hand. So this, we never hear um, about Leah until she is buried and Jacob and Leah are both, and I believe the two handmaidens are all buried where Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebecca are buried. And Rachel is just buried on the path to where they end up, um, so, which is really sad and ended up being really difficult for Jacob. So let's move on and talk about what lessons we learn about Jesus Christ's love through the story of Rachel and Leah. So I think both Leah and Rachel's story remind us that the Lord remembers us in our trials. Both of them had really hard things that were totally different, but they were still remembered and they were remembered differently. The Lord gave Leah children when she didn't have the love of a husband and Rachel had the love of a husband when she didn't have children. And Eventually, Rachel does get her children, and she talks about how she felt like that was a blessing, and she recognized that blessing of the Lord, and that he had heard her prayers all of those years, and was able to finally answer those. And life life can be frustrating sometimes, and not go as we hope or as we plan it to go, even in the very beginning, right? Jacob worked for seven years for Rachel and he got Leah, which isn't what he hoped or planned for, but it all worked out and God's plan is always greater than ours. 
God will always look out for his people, right? He kept them safe and he made sure they got out of Laban's house when they needed to. But even through all the trials that were going on, he, he, he looks out for his people and he does what is best for them. Leah learned to be okay with her place in the household. It seems potentially, right? She, the Lord remembered her and gave her seven children, even though she sought the love of her husband. She learned to love the Lord and appreciate him and all that he had given her. Rachel had the love of her husband and she sought for children, but she got those children eventually, but it would take a lot of waiting and a lot of watching her sister and handmaidens having children before she did. God hears us, but he doesn't always give us what we ask, and for sure not in the timing that we ask. Sometimes he does, of course, but a lot of times the timing and what we ask look different than what we actually prayed for. And if we're willing to let God prevail in our lives and continue to walk on a covenant path, then we can be accepting of the timeline and we can be accepting of what might look different than what we anticipated or even prayed for. Life is going to throw us curveballs. And when it does, we need to decide how to act. And we need to decide if we're going to look to God or if we're going to look away from him. And I think Leah and Rachel both turned to God. Might have taken a while, but I think they both turned to him in their trials. And the last thing that we can learn from them is that he keeps his promises. The Abrahamic covenant continued through Jacob, and that was given to him. He had all of these sons, and Joseph, who came through Rachel, was able to continue that as well. And Next week, we're going to talk about Joseph's story. And Joseph's story is so well-known and celebrated. But we are also going to talk about some women that are mentioned in these chapters that I think are a lot less known. Potiphar's wife is obviously very (laughs) well-known and not someone we aspire to be like. But there are some other women that we are going to discuss. And we're going to talk about women sometimes in these podcasts that aren't righteous women, but we can still learn how to see God and how to decipher how to be a daughter of God and recognize him in our lives. So thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you've learned some things and that you have enjoyed listening and I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you're willing to help me out and you love today's episode, please share it with a friend. Leaving a review is actually extremely helpful as well and allows other people to find the podcast. So if you are enjoying listening, please leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, today you are enough.